0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Hear God's Word from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 to 10, uh, as we see what God has already done, what He has completed for us. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, He said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. We thank you that your promises are sure and solid. We thank you for what you have done. We pray now that as we reflect on your word together, you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would show each one of us what you have for us this morning, that these words would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts, that they may change the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I said I have a whole bag of things, but you'll have to wait and see because they'll come out a little bit later. But first, I need to tell you about a guy named Zeno. Have Have any of you heard of a guy named Zeno? See, Zeno, Zeno was a Greek philosopher way back way back when, and Zeno has this thing called Zeno's paradox. Now, Zeno actually had a number of paradoxes, but there's one that is the most famous, and I, call this, I kind of call this the school bus trick because it's a good thing to tell your friends on the school bus and really mess with their heads. So Zeno's paradox goes like this. We all know that if we're going to get somewhere from here to there, where do we have to go first? Well, before we can get over there, we have to go halfway, right? We can't get all the way there without going halfway. Well, then once we're halfway, we're still just going to have to go halfway again. And whatever distance we have left, we're just going to have to go half of that distance before we can go the whole way. And so if we always have to go halfway before we can get somewhere, we're never going to get there, are we? Because you can never get past that halfway point. And now you're all really confused. And you're also thinking about Zeno and thinking, Zeno, that sounds cool, but that's kind of dumb. And it is kind of dumb in a lot of ways, but it's also how we feel a lot of times. We often feel like in this life we are stuck halfway, always just halfway to where we are trying to get to, and nothing is ever really finished. Nothing is ever really complete. Our houses never look the way that we want them to be. There's always more work that can be done. There's always more books that can be read. Our teachers always look at our assignments and say, well, that was pretty good, but it could be a little bit better if you did this. It is very, we, we rarely experience perfect things in this life. And we live and we remember in this season of Advent that we, are, we live in this tension of halfwayness. And so the question for us this morning is, what do we do with the feeling of halfwayness, And the promise of God's Word for us, the promise of God's Word this morning is that Advent is not just about feeling halfway, but Advent is about completion. That God has done some things all the way, and they are all the way done for us this morning. And so the, the, to recognize this, to see what God has done all the way, first we have to see what our main problem is, I say, you might think I'm saying our main problem is that we're stuck halfway there. That's how we feel, but that's not really our main problem. See, the Bible tells us that our main problem is the problem of sin. That all the things that we feel and kind of experience this halfwayness—it's really the problem of sin. And there's three. There's kind of three different aspects of the problem of sin that we'll reflect on this morning. The first, of course, is the sin that that we commit, that we have a problem, that we keep doing the wrong things. We're kind of stuck halfway because we can't make ourselves do what is right. We are sinners who do the wrong thing, and we can't seem to get ourselves past that. That's one part of our sin problem. But the second part of our sin problem is that when we do the wrong thing, even if we start doing the right thing, we still feel the shame of what we have done wrong and so even when we've started doing what is right even when we have changed and gotten better we feel shame and that burdens us it weighs us down now the third part of our sin problem is not just about us but is about the whole world the bible tells us that all the problems we see in this world all the injustice in this world all the evil, all the sickness, all the ways that other people hurt us, that those are all a result of sin. And so when we see all the problems in this world, the incompleteness, the things that could be better, we have to realize that the problem here is still sin. So the first step here to getting out of our halfway stuck position is to recognize that our main problem is sin in these different aspects. But here's the main thing about God. Here's the really good news from Hebrews chapter 10. The thing that God promises that he has completed, that he has done once for all, is dealt with sin. This is the promise of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This is our advent completion is that Jesus has sacrificed for sin once for all. He does not have to sacrifice for sin again, and we do not have to be sacrificed for sin again. Instead, what do we do with the gift that Jesus has given us? Well, it's Christmas time, right? So I did, I did think we should, bring, we should bring a gift, right? A gift is wrapped up. and This gift is under your Christmas tree. Did you have to do anything to get this gift? I mean, you've got to do something, right? You didn't didn't earn it, you didn't pay for it. But kids, what do you have to do with this gift on Christmas morning? What do you have to do, Asher? You have to open it. You have to rip off the wrapping paper, open it up. You have to receive the gift. So if the main thing that God has done is that Jesus has sacrificed for sin once for all, the main thing that we need to do is we need to receive the gift. And as we receive the gift of of what Jesus has done for us, it deals with all these problems of sin. And we see that our advent completion is that we have hope that is more than halfway. That we are not stuck in Zeno's paradox, never ever able to get somewhere. But instead we have a gift and we must receive it. So there's three aspects of this gift that we'll reflect on and what it means to receive those. The first is that Jesus makes us holy. That's the first part of His dealing with sin once for all. The second is that Jesus takes away our shame. And the third is that Jesus reverses injustice. So the first thing that Jesus makes us holy, that's what it says. By that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. See that word sanctified, that's a big a big Christian word that we throw around in church sometimes. What sanctified means is that we are made holy. Jesus has made us holy. What does it mean to be holy? Well, it means to be set apart, to be different, to do the right thing. And this is our sin problem, right? When we sin, we're not doing the right thing. And so we need to do the right thing. But that's hard to do. And we just feel like sometimes we're just working and working and working to do the right thing. And if we're going to think about working and working and working, we have to switch from, from Greek philosophers to Greek mythology. And we also have a big rock this morning. And I know I've, I've brought big rocks here before. I kind of like big rocks. But this is a really big rock. And in Greek mythology, do you know there's a guy with a big rock? His name was Sisyphus. And the myth of Sisyphus is that Sisyphus' punishment was that he had to take this big rock and he had to keep pushing it up a hill. But the problem was the rock was enchanted, and every time he got to the top of the hill, it would roll back down. And so Sisyphus had to spend the rest of his life pushing the big rock up the hill. And that's how it can feel to us sometimes, right? When we're we're trying to be holy, when we're trying to do what is right, it just feels like we're pushing the big rock up the hill, and then it rolls down. And now we're not even halfway. We're like all the way back at the beginning. And we just have to start pushing the rock. But here's the good news of Jesus' gift for us. The gift tells us that there was a different rock in, that, in the story of Jesus. See, in the story of Jesus, there was a rock in front of the grave. And the women who were coming to the grave on Sunday morning after Jesus had been crucified, they wondered, who will roll away the stone?" And when they got there, the stone had been rolled away. And so the gift of Jesus, the once for all sacrifice of Jesus, is that rock was rolled away from the tomb. And he walked right out of it, declaring that sin had been dealt with. And so we are not like Sisyphus. We are not stuck pushing this rock up the hill, trying to get better and better. Instead, we receive the gift. We receive the gift of holiness. See, we get to be better people, by receiving Jesus' life into ourselves. That's what what he's telling us here. It says uh, earlier than what I read in Hebrews, uh, earlier in chapter 10, verse three, it said, in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. See, those sins could not just be taken away But what Jesus did, what's different and better about Jesus, is that He actually makes us different. He didn't just sacrifice for for some kind of payment for our sins. He did do that, but He did so much more. When He rose from the dead, He declared that He was giving new life to all of His people. So we can really be holy in Him. And so this morning, if you're sitting here thinking, I want to be holy, I want to be complete. I want to be better. Don't keep pushing the rock up the hill. Don't keep trying to make yourself do that. Instead, turn to Jesus and pray that He would change your heart, that you would experience more and more of His resurrection life in yours. Because Jesus' perfect life becomes our life. This is the great wonder of Jesus coming down to earth. He came down to earth at Christmas to say, I am going to be a man, and I'm going to live a perfect life, and then I'm going to give that life to you. And so we can live out Jesus' life in ourselves. As we receive His gift, He makes us holy, and that actually makes us different. And yet, in the realities of how this plays out in our lives, we, it, other people might look at our lives and see that we are, we are becoming different. We're becoming more like Jesus, and yet we still feel the shame of our sin, the shame of the things that we have done in the past, the shame of what we have, what we have failed to do, the shame of how we are still not yet made perfect. And so we deal with that, and that shame, it like, it's like ropes that bind us down that keep us from walking in the freedom that God calls us to. And instead, we kind of try to protect ourselves. See, we see this, the other part of this in this text here, in the the sacrifices and offering, verses 5 and 6, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Now, if we're being honest about what, what God was saying here to the people in the Old Testament, We also have to realize they weren't even really doing their offerings and sacrifices right in the first place. They weren't doing them with a good heart, but also they were never going to be enough. And so year after year, they would would make these offerings and sacrifices, but it couldn't really deal with sin. It couldn't really make them holy. It couldn't really take away their shame. They sacrificed the goat. They sacrificed the lamb. And they say, "Is is this really enough? And so for them, they were making these sacrifices, trying to cover over their sins. Now, we don't make sacrifices anymore, but we still try to cover up our sins in different ways. We know that we have done wrong. We, know, we feel the sins like cuts on our skin that other people can see. And what do we do when we have a cut or a scrape? What do we do? What do we do with that? We, we, know, we put a Band-Aid on it, right? That's what we do, we put a Band-Aid on it. And, but even. Even a big Band-Aid like these, it doesn't really fix it, does it? Band-Aids just cover it up for a little while until it can truly heal. And can you imagine a body just covered in Band-Aids? That's not what we want. We don't want to be just covered in Band-Aids. We want to be whole and perfect. And yet, as we try to deal with sin in our lives and the shame of sin, we walk through so much of our life just covering up ourselves in Band-Aids. We do that as we try to protect ourselves. We don't, we don't put ourselves out there to do something in, in love or service or sacrifice that might be hard or that we might mess up, or that we're not sure how to do, because we're gonna, afraid we're going to do it wrong. We don't say the kind word to somebody else because we're afraid that we're going to say the wrong word, and we're going to feel guilty and shameful. And so instead, we cover ourselves up. We do something wrong, and then we try and get, we, we hurt somebody. And then we just go and we try to give them some gifts to make it right. Instead of saying, I'm sorry. And I know there's nothing that I can do to make this right. There's nothing that I can really do to take away the pain. Will you forgive me? Because our real problem is sin. And the real solution to our shame and the way that we've hurt other people and the way that we feel that is the forgiveness and healing of Jesus. And that is our only hope. So what does that mean we do in the same way that we pray to ask Jesus to give us more of his holiness and righteousness in our lives? We confess our sins. We confess our sins as a body and worship on Sunday morning. It's always part of our service because we realize this is what our main problem is. And so we have this rhythm of confession. If if you follow the, the Daily Prayer Project, guys, there's rhythms of confession in there to confess our sins, to receive the assurance. And we have to confess our sins to one another, to say, I have hurt you and I'm sorry. And will you forgive me? And in that confession, in that forgiveness, then through the power of Jesus, through his forgiveness, our shame can truly be taken away. And then can you imagine what it would be like not to walk through life covered in band-aids, wrapped up as a mummy just trying to be protected, but instead to walk in freedom. The boldness you could have to serve and to love and to give and to sacrifice, to give of your time, to give of your money, to give of your heart to others, knowing that when you mess up, your sins are forgiven. And even if you don't do the right thing, even if you're selfish sometimes, even if you're, you blunder around and hurt somebody's feelings, your sins are forgiven and you walk in that freedom and forgiveness. But that's not all. That's in the kind of personal level. But, but Luke, Mary's Magnificat takes us out bigger to say that all the problems we see in this world are also the problems of sin. That's what we saw from Luke chapter 1. Again, the confidence, what he has done. This is Luke chapter 1, verse 51. He has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich He has sent away empty. He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy. Mary knows these things have been done. She is confident in it. All the injustice and problems we see in the world, The people and countries and people taking advantage of their position to hurt and take advantage of others, to abuse others. All the sin that we have experienced, whether on the big level like that, or even in our individual lives, of people who have taken advantage of us. People who have hurt us and never made up for it. And Mary says, God has dealt with it all. She hasn't even had the baby yet. She's still living under Roman rule and Roman oppression. She's about to undertake a journey to go and do a census for a Roman emperor who cares nothing about her when she's like nine months pregnant and she has to go on her you know, walking donkey, however she got there. And yet she says, God has done this. So as we look at all the problems in the world, we say that God has done these things. He has made all these things right because the ultimate problem is sin. And sin has been dealt with once for all. When Jesus went to the cross and he died on the cross, and then he rose again from the dead, that stone rolled away. It says sin has been dealt with, and all these things are going away. We may have to work out the details of it still, but our advent completion has been seen. God has made good on this promise, and we know that one day we will see the fulfillment of it. So what do we do? We receive the gift. We receive the gift of holiness and righteousness from Jesus. We receive the gift of forgiveness and freedom in the covering of our shame. And we receive the gift of peace and justice in this world. As God moves us in our hearts to work towards that, knowing that he is at work to make all things right. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the completion of it. We thank you for the perfection of it. We thank you that Jesus has dealt with sin once for all. We pray that you would show each one of us today and as we go out from here what it means to receive your gift, what it means to put our faith in Jesus, what it means to walk in that faith, in the freedom and forgiveness that you offer. Would you do this for us this day and in the days to come? In Jesus' name, amen.